Good day and welcome to the Sea Creatures Podcast, a show all about the amazing animals that live beneath the waves. Each episode, we chat about a specific sea creature with a guest who has spent time and interacted with that ocean animal. Our guests range from marine biologists to divers to underwater photographers to people that just have an intense passion for marine life, or as our guest today is, a verified fish nerd. My name's Matt Testoni, and I'm all of the above. And joining me is Melanie Hansen, and she's going to be helping us talk about the mantis shrimp. Hey, Mel. Hi. Thanks for having me on your show. No worries. Thanks for coming. So let's start out. You, I asked you what sea creature you want to talk about when I asked you to come on the show, and you were pretty quick to be like, mantis shrimp. So clearly the coolest sea creature. Like I, yeah, I get to see so many cool sea creatures in my work. So, but I really think that if we're going for most awesome abilities and most cool fun facts, then mantis shrimp hands down is the winner. They are pretty crazy. So tell us what exactly is a mantis shrimp. If you've never seen a mantis shrimp before, you're probably picturing a shrimp, which it's not. Um, so a mantis shrimp is a stomatopod and they imagine kind of like a scampi or um, I guess if you don't, if you're not super familiar with fancy seafood, um, then imagine like a really long prawn, but uh, they have at the front like these prey mantis kind of appendages, which is where they get their name from, which have some pretty cool superpowers. Cool. So they're, yeah, so I think mantis shrimp, I guess if you've never seen one, you kind of picture a prawn fused with a prey mantis. Yeah. Yeah, but just like quite long. Yeah. And they come in like a multitude of colors, which is pretty crazy. And they I believe so pretty. over 400 species, which is crazy, right? Yeah. And we have quite a few species in Australia. So about 250 hang out in the Indo-Pacific and about half of those are found in Australia as well. So we've got yeah, well over 100 species that hang out in Oz, which is exciting. Yeah, it's just so cool. And I, I know like when I was looking this up, it's kind of weird that you chose mantis shrimp because only two weeks ago, I found out that there are mantis shrimp near our homes in Melbourne, in Port Phillip Bay, which is cold and crazy. Yeah, you were telling me before, which is so strange because in, you know, my world or in my brain, they were, you know, a more tropical animal. So it's pretty exciting that we have them down here in the cooler waters as well. Yeah, and even just off the beach. I saw one in, a, in two metres of water the other day and I was, had to do a double take, like, what? <laughs> I love that about diving is that, you know, you can be having, you know, not the world's greatest dive and then you stumble across something that you really didn't think you would. Or you, even better, you stumble across something you have no idea what it is. And uh, hopefully you've got a camera on you and you might be able to snap a photo. Yeah, if you ID something new on a dive, oh, day made. Like, that's the best feeling ever. Yeah, and I mean, like, you're reading up these things. Like, people are discovering new species all the time. So Mm. you just never know. Mantis shrimp, though, you mentioned that there are 100 species in Australia. But where, so where do they live in general? What kind of habitat? They can live, there's kind of two main species. uh, You can divide them into two pretty big groups. Got the spearers and the smashers. So that's to do with their claw types. The spearers have like a claw lined tooth and they hang out mostly in like sand and soft habitats and environments. Whereas the smashers, they have like a club shaped claw and they use that to smash their prey. And they hang out more in like your rocky areas. So hanging out in, you know, coral reef crevices and they have more a permanent home whereas fear if you know something comes along and disturbs it they're just going to dig another hole so they're pretty 
pretty movable. Yeah, the disturbed thing is an interesting thing. Like, yeah, and I guess that's one of the problems of moving stuff around on a coral reef is you can easily disturb this animal's permanent home. Yeah, so with her like clubs and stuff and spears, that actually dictates what they eat, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. So the spears um, will go for things like worms, small fish, whereas the smashers are going after things with a hard shell. So crabs and um, small crustaceans, even, you know, the single creature has completely different diet depending on what their hunting appendages are, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and so like we'll talk about the spears quickly because I just think it's such a crazy thing that an animal carries its limb as a spear. What kind? Of, it's just crazy. And so yeah, as you said, it's all jagged and it jumps out of the sand and just stabs animals. If you ever have some time to all your viewers uh, kicking around on YouTube or anything, it's definitely worth having a look at like some slow motion image capture of it because I mean, to the naked eye, it doesn't look like anything, but we get to slow it down. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I mean, especially, like, speaking of the YouTube thing, especially you have to check out the club mantis because, mm. like, they've been known to smash aquarium glass. With their yeah, I, I read, like, up to two centimetres thick. So um, if we put it in terms of, so their force that they create, if we were to put it in terms of a human arm divided by 10, so if our arms were one-tenth the strength of a mantis arm, we could throw a cricket ball into space. So that's... <laughs> I mean, I've definitely, uh, the the fun fact I read was about a baseball, but I'm trying to Aussieize it because I know you don't throw a cricket ball. Um, <laughs> you ball it. But um, yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty crazy, but also it defies what we know animals can do in physics. And we're actually studying the cells of the arm um, to have a look and try and use that for military applications. So body armor, because they are so very strong and so very small. Yeah, well, I was reading it's similar to like a ceramics. So like the ceramic plates they get in like bulletproof vests and stuff. An animal has developed its own ceramic armor, which is just unheard of. Yeah. I think my favorite thing though about the clubs is definitely the speed at which they move. They move so fast that the water around them literally boils. Yes. Uh, And not only that, but once, so it creates little bubbles. And then when the bubbles are popping, it creates so much force that water for a really small amount of time becomes as hot as the surface of the sun. And so if you're looking at it in the dark, it actually creates little pops of light which is crazy that it emits such energy. Imagine like how um, such a small creature could create so much force, like what would the muscles look like? But it's actually kind of less about pushing out and more about stored energy on a, on a coil or a spring. So they pull their arm in and then it's sitting on a latch. And then so when they attack, all they have to do is let go of that latch and <clears throat> like it just fires out. So kind of more like, how um, stored energy works on a kangaroo leg or something like that. It's not yeah. actually having or to. Or a catapult, like a medieval Yeah, catapult. yeah. You know, you kind of like wind it back, you crank it back, and, it like, and then it just shoots this projectile like crazy. Yeah, definitely. Just, um, kind of apt because like the other thing is that like after this latch, so that, the fist actually moves at the same, like faster than a bullet, like a twenty-two caliber bullet, which is nuts. Like imagine like the ultimate spear gun. For the spears. Yeah. And I read, so the water boiling um, is called supercavitation. Um, so even if the mantis shrimp completely misses its prey, the shock wave created by the supercavitation often will still kill it. So it doesn't even have to be that good of a shot and it'll still get dinner. 
Wow, I mean, that's that's so scary because that's kind of like a grenade blast, I guess. Like the shockwave just yeah. like, pulverizes, pulverizes the prey. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's an easy way of tenderizing your dinner, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, particularly if your dinner's uh, nice and crunchy like a crab, I guess uh, you want to get in there pretty easy. <laughs> I wonder if, like, they have to hit it multiple times. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if they're just, like, hammering away at this crab shell or if just one hit is yeah. just splinters it. I mean, if you're going to shoot a, a mollusk, I think you're going to get through it with one shot. So uh, I maybe we'll have to <laughs> look up some more YouTube videos and have a look. Yeah. And so the other thing that I feel like we have to talk about is uh, their eyes. Because part of the reason they're able to grab their prey so well is their crazy eyes, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's another reason they're definitely in one of my top cool animals because the world must be so very beautiful and so very different to how we see it. So I'm sure you're aware, like our eyes get to see three different colors and then variations thereof. So we've got our red, our blue um, and our green cone, and they all sort of mash together and mantis shrimp get to see in 16 different variations. The world must be just so very beautiful to them. But I was also, you know, my, in my fish nerdiness, trying to understand how their brains aren't that big. And so how would they be able to process all of this? Because, you know, human brains get raw data from their eyes and then their brains make sense of it. Whereas that's not how it works for the mantis shrimp. The mantis shrimp eyes actually do a whole lot of the processing and then the brain just gets the information as a already processed piece of data. And then their brain does things with it and actually makes decisions. So it's, really different and interesting compared to how our brains yeah it's kind of the opposite i think like Mm. um in terms of how our brains work which is pretty cool i mean given they're 400 million years old like it's understandable but the thing with the colors though is interesting is so we see we might actually see more colors per se because i was reading that the mantis shrimp while it can see a whole new range of colors we can't even imagine it can't see Mm. things like it can't tell the difference between red and maroon or like blue mm. and aqua. It's basically like red, yellow, blue, and then 15 other or 13 other colors, which it's crazy, isn't it? I, yeah, I had a look at that research. That was so interesting that I guess we, are, we evolved to be able to do what's important. And maybe on the reef, it's not so important to be able to tell the difference between colors that humans can easily see the difference between. Um, but they can communicate with light in a way that no other sea creature in the world can do that we know of so far, which, yeah, so circular polarised light, which is not as I thought straight away, like what you see with your sunnies, your (laughs) polarised sunnies. No, apparently it's quite different. But, yeah, so they they have this part of the spectrum that no other animal can see. Um, And the only thing we know for sure so far is that they communicate with it. Yeah, I don't know. Have you, you've definitely seen it, but uh, for your viewers, like my very favorite David Attenborough episode of Blue Planet 2 is the Green Seas. And they definitely talk about how the mates, they can talk to each other about it and then do a dance and decide whether they want to be partners, which is... Yeah, it's it's like a little secret communication thing. And like... It's such a good segue, though, because on partners, I actually was blown away by the fact that they can mate for life some species or mate for 20 years. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of species, the male and females have quite distinct roles and they're 
really different. So the female's a lot smaller and her job is to keep house. The patriarchy, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so she digs the hole and makes the egg while the male going, um, goes and finds food. And then he'll hunt for her as well. And I also read that some of them, like the female will ha- lay two sets of eggs. And one is like for the male to care for and one is for the female to care for. Yeah. It's like, here's here's your child. Here's my child. (laughs) And he still has to go out and do all the hunting. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, yeah, they share the burrow. They keep the same burrow for ages. It's just, yeah, when you see them running along the seafloor, you just don't realize how much more to them there really is. Especially, particularly the reef dwellers. You only ever really see their cute little faces popping out of their holes. I've only once seen one crawling along the seabed. Um, So even just, you know, the first time I saw a picture of one and realised how big they are and that they weren't just these gorgeous eyes and face coming out of a hole, there's just, yeah, so much more to them. So many times I've been swimming along and, you know, looking for some kind of little sea creature and there's this blended face in the sand and it's actually huge. And you go, whoa, I, I like almost, you know, like put my hand down near there, like, which I've heard if you put your hand near a mattress shrimp, it can actually shatter like your knuckle. It's not something that I've ever worried about. Like I've always thought, <laughs> oh, how cute. And I've definitely got way too close to trying to take pictures with my macro lens on these, these guys until I kind of read about how powerful their front appendages were. Um, yeah, I was definitely maybe a little closer than I, I should have been to them. I wonder if, like, they've ever broken a camera lens. That would be a really, like, or, you know, an underwater camera piece of glass. Like, it would have to have happened. So another cool fact that I really love is uh, that the mantis shrimp is not a shrimp. And not only that, they're older than dinosaurs. So um, mantis shrimp split off from their closest uh, relatives, uh, crabs and shrimp and lobsters, um, about 400 million years ago. So that's about 170 years, million years before the first dinosaur. And that is so truly ancient. Animals that we would recognise as actual animals have only been around for about 570 million years. So, you know, if you consider it's only been uh, relatives only for 170 million years and they've been split off for the last 400 million years, um, stomatopods are not, they're very, very distant, distant relatives of the crabs and the shrimps and the lobsters. And then my last favourite fact of theirs is that they have a voice. Californian mantis shrimp have been known to make like this low rumbling growling sound both in the wild and in the lab Uh, and it's the male mantis shrimp that uh, makes the sound and it's often um, around like dawn and dusk so current theory around that is it's either a mating or like a this is my turf kind of noise (laughs) so yeah saying like get away this is my spot It's just like an old man grumbling. Like I just love it. Like this, the male makes like a grumbling sound, like as as we hear it, which is well, yeah. Maybe maybe they hear it differently. Yeah, the biology of mantis shrimp is just amazing. Like the fact they can see so many colors, they can even see an ultraviolet. How old they are, the fact they mate for life. It's just like humans but like under the sea i feel yeah we're so close to some of these animals really but i just don't know if we're that cool <laughs> yeah well i mean we can't see in all these like different spectrums we can't breathe underwater you know we're just boring land dwellers so you've obviously seen quite a few mantis shrimp over the years 
where would you go and what yeah. would you like how what kind of diving would you do if you wanted to see mantis shrimp that was your aim oh see i really think that most of the mantis shrimp that i've seen have been kind of on the edge of a coral reef so i think i've seen mostly the the smashes so they hang out in like permanent little dwellings so if you're an instructor in the area it's not too tricky because you kind of just learn where their holes are and that way you can show people where they are whereas i think a lot of the really gorgeous beautiful ones or if you wanted to definitely see them i think you'd be better off going for like a muck dive where they hang out in the sand and you can see like multiples or you can see yeah lots more different types i think that would probably be a best bet what about you maddie i know that you've spotted some cool ones yeah, I think like it is always on the edge of a coral reef or during a muck dive. And like one of the cool things is that they, some of them are nocturnal, some of them um, go around during the day. There's all different times. And so, yeah, a muck dive, which um, to non divers, this got me when I first started diving. I was like, what's a muck dive? But, <laughs> sounds like, awful. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, you know, I, I first pictured it. People were like, oh, you've got to go muck diving if you're, you know, like photography. And I was like, what and i pictured like this mm. muddy soup not quite Which that bad. Not, it's not too far from the truth though <laughs> <laughs> you you can get good water in muck dives yeah. i've seen the best mantis shrimp i've seen were in bali in indonesia mm. and the muck diving there the water is crystal clear but the sand is like muck and mm, it, it makes no sense hey yeah no it, it i think it's something to do with volcanic but Anyway, so you, you get like peacock mantis, which are some of the coolest and brightest colored mantis shrimp just running around on the sand. And you, you look down as a fish and then there's this creature with all these legs scuttling around with huge eyes. And yeah, then, they're just yeah. so pretty. Yeah, like, you know, like as we said before, the prey mantis eyes. And then, yeah, the other one would be like on the sand, like you're just swimming along. And as I said before, there's just this face. Or mm. if you're like lucky enough, I think a dive instructor I was once friends with told me the story as she's swimming along and she just saw this like tail flopping around outside of the sand and she kind of went over and had a look and you know and then a second later it just popped out and it was a puffer fish and a mantis shrimp had bopped it on the head and grabbed it and Whoa. tried to bring it into its hole but the puffer fish had puffed up and like the <laughs> puff up when they're scared and it had blocked the hole so you had That's one side amazing. Trim trying to drag this fish into the hole and then this puffer fish is like, ah, uh-uh, buddy. And it's just swallowed up. <laughs> totally blocked oh, it. So, like, I totally, love seeing those moments. Yeah, I wish I'd seen a bit. Like, it's a totally, like, animal, like, evolutionary arms race. You know, Mantis Trim's like, yeah, I'm mm. so quick and tough. And the puffer fish is like, I'll just puff up. <laughs> Perfect defense. In and, that um, situation, for sure. Yeah, so I guess, like, as you said, muck diving and tropical places, but even, like, in Port Phillip Bay, in Melbourne, or any place around Australia, really, like, and this new species, I think a new species discovered in New South Wales, like, two years ago, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah, it always makes it exciting to get in the water, to think that we actually know more about the surface of the moon than we do the, you know, the surface of the ocean that's not that far away. So it makes it even more exciting to get in the water. Yeah, it does. And if you are interested in sea creatures, then scuba diving is definitely the best way to interact with them. Or snorkeling. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, yeah, it's the intertidal zone. So that, like, 
first two meters um, near the shore is some of the richest, you know, place to find things. I've, yeah, spent, you know, hundreds of dives hanging out, doing, you know, in around Port Phillip Bay. And then I've jumped in, in the, on with a snorkel. Um, I work with a kid who has autism and he is the most amazing marine life spotter. And I've actually seen more, I think, hanging out with him. I don't know whether it's just he's an amazing spotter or it's because we hang out in the shallows, probably a little bit of both. But yeah, I find it so interesting how much there is that we as scuba divers just walk past because we're like, it's too shallow. That's the like where the um, mantis shrimp that I didn't know existed until a few weeks ago were just in the shallows. Mm-hmm. Like I think the key to them was actually using a light. So you might think that like a, a light would be damaging to their eyes and stuff, but what the light does is it attracts all the tiny little krill and mm. different animals, like kind little of little sea monkeys. <laughs> yeah, little sea monkeys, literally. And yeah, and the mantis shrimp actually are like, ooh, a light source and food. It's feast time, so they like pop out of their burrows and have a feast. Anyway, that brings us to the end of our mantis shrimp episode. Thanks, Mel, for joining us. Ah, oh, um, thank you for having me. And if you want to go for a dive and see mantis shrimp overseas, or if you want to do some local diving in Melbourne, where Mel is based, what's the best way to do that? So I work for an amazing company called Snorkel and Dive Safari Altona Beach. So if you're hanging out in the western suburbs, scratch that. If you're in Melbourne at all, come and hang out with us. It's an amazing tight-knit little team with I would say some of the most amazing humans on the planet as part of our club. So yeah, just inclusive and really enthusiastic about sharing the underwater world. Yeah. Come and have a dive with us. It's snorkel and dive safari alternative beach. If you look up snorkel and dive Melbourne, if that's our website, we'll pop up pretty quick on Google. Cool. And I've been in there a few times and you just feel like part of the family, which is so cool. Sea Creatures Podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by myself, Matt Testoni. You can see more of my photography on Instagram, Matt underscore Testoni underscore photography, and my webpage, mcunderwatermedia.com. If you'd like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and visit our Patreon account, patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can give a monthly donation to support the show. Production assistance is by George McGrath, and music by Dan Musil, and he's insanely good. Slide guitar. Tune in next time to hear all about orcas, aka killer whales, with Brett Lobween. This has been the Sea Creatures Podcast. Over and out.